You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. Continuing with our World Cup Digest covering latest matches and news, today we're going to cover three matches, match number 30, 31 and 32. These three matches were played between uh, Pakistan and South Africa at Lords, Afghanistan and Sri Lanka at uh, Southampton, and the last one between Australia and England also played at Lords. So let me welcome my co-host Ajit so we can dig right into it. Hello Ajit, how is it going? I agree. It goes good. Well, I mean, uh, it's it's going to be a very hectic week for me, what with work and a couple of other things outside work. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the World Cup is helping me take my mind off all of these things that is going on, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, well, I mean, a couple of very interesting matches. I think uh, we have entered into a crucial part of uh, the, let's say, the group stages where, uh, you know, uh, eight out of 10 teams still stand a chance of making the knockouts. So let's look at the matches one by one. So the first of these is indeed uh, the Pakistan versus uh, South Africa match that was played at Lords, right, on the 23rd. So in this match, uh, Pakistan won the toss and opted to bat. Uh, they made a very competitive 308 for seven, thanks to some wonderful top order contributions, right? So Imam Haq made a steady 44, Fakhar Zaman uh, 44 again, but uh, in a bit more adventurous fashion. Right, Babar Azam made 69, a very steady innings, and he sort of got out at a point where one would have expected him to pick up their scoring. Right, Mohammad Hafiz made 20, but uh, fell, and then Harris Sohail probably played the defining innings of the entire uh, you know match. Uh, he made 89 of 59, and uh, for somebody who was brought back in, uh, he proved a point saying that uh, you know once uh, somebody like Mohammad Hafiz retires, he can take over the number four position effectively. Imad Wasim was uh, promoted up the order, so was Wahab Riyaz in order to pump up the scoring rate, and they made some useful contributions. When we come to bowling, uh, Lungi Ngidi was a bit costly, but he took three wickets, so three for 64 of nine overs. Kagisora Bada was uh, no wicket for 65 in 10. Uh, Chris Morris, no wicket for 61 in 9. Uh, Pelu Huayo was uh, 1 for 49 of 8. Imran Tahir was the pick of the bowlers with 2 for 41 of 10. And Aiden Makram took a wicket of his 4 overs. Right. So faced with a very tough chase in order to stay in the tournament, South Africa started very uh, inauspiciously when they lost Hashim Amla to Amir to an incoming beautiful ball. And then Quinter de Kock and Fafi Plessis steadied the ship. They added uh, 87 runs, took uh, the score to a reasonable number where from which there was a platform, but Quinter de Kock got out and the scoring rate was not very rapid. So when Quinter de Kock was out for 47 or 60, one would have expected he would continue on a bit longer. Fafi Plessis made 63 of 79 and Aidan Makram at four failed, but then Rasi van der Dusen, uh, David Miller and Pelu Huayo all made steady uh, contributions. Uh, Fonda Dusen made 36, David Miller 31, and Adile Pelu Huayo 46. Chris Morris tried to hit at the end, made 16, but it was not going to be enough, and South Africa finished with 259 for 9 of 50 overs. So this was a very comprehensive victory for Pakistan uh, by 49 runs. It was a thoroughly professional performance. When it comes to the bowling, Mohammad Amir took 2 for 49. Hafiz opened the bowling with him and just bowled 2 overs. Shaheen Shah Afridi, took one for 54 of eight. 
Imad Wasim bowled a very parsimonious spell, uh, no wicket for 48 of 10. Wahab Riyas took 3 for 46. He was probably the pick of the bowlers. And then Shadab Khan took 3 for 50. Uh, so, all in all, it was a thorough uh, all-round performance as well, not just a professional one. Pakistan did drop a few catches, but they found a way to come back at all times to, you know, uh, remain on top. Uh, so, Giri, uh, what have you to add to this? Uh, it does look like Pakistan have come back, right? So, they were on the brink of an exit from a World Cup. And uh, having lost so many matches on, uh, you know, on succession, they have bounced back very strongly, I have to say. Uh, against uh, yeah, against a team like uh, South Africa, and South Africa have been knocked out. If there was any doubt, I think now it's pretty much sure that uh, they are out of it. The other thing here is some uh, things which have contributed in Pakistan's favor is the addition of Haris Sohel. I think uh, Haris Sohel has made a big difference in the squad um, with that quick fire 80 odd runs that he scored in this match. I think uh, he has shown that Pakistani middle order has. He's able to, uh, you know, step up when it's really required. Uh, sad to see that Shuaib Malik had to make way for, uh, you know, uh, Hari Sohel. But I think it's a good change. Uh, I hope they continue with this setup. I think it looks good right now. Uh, if they continue with this and, uh, yeah, who knows? If they bring their A game, they might win the next uh, remaining matches and uh, put some other teams like England uh, in trouble if England uh, lose... The next few matches, I think they they are not looking so good, England, right? Indeed. Um, so so Pakistan, I'm, I'm I really appreciate them. You know, I hats off to them for uh, winning so convincingly. Um, so good luck to them for the remainder of the tournament. Indeed, indeed. Well, I mean, uh, the other important point I thought. Uh, well, South Africa also, you know, they were good with their fielding, of course. But towards the end, even the fielding began to wilt because. Uh, mm, not only did uh, Sohail, but also to an extent, Ahmad started putting them under a lot of pressure. And um, that was one point I noticed that usually a South African team is very professional and they would hold up their fielding standards, right? That was that was a bit interesting to see that they were not able to keep up that going. The other thing earlier at the beginning of the Pakistan innings, it looked like, you know, um, Imran Tahir took a low catch in the deep of Fakhar Zaman. It could have been crucial. We don't know because it was overturned on uh, appeal. I mean, it was an mm-hmm. umpiring uh, mm-hmm. uh, review and uh, it was overturned. Maybe it was. It could have been crucial. It was one of those very close catches, which, you know, the more replays you see, the more suspicious it looks. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was very interesting. So yeah. after that, I think um, Pakistan are now on the up and South Africa again are out of the tournament. A uh, couple of, uh, you know, unsavory points have come out from South African dressing room. Looks like uh, Faf Duplessis coming out and saying in the post-match conference he tried uh, to stop Kageso Rabada from going and playing in the IPL. And Rabada also saying, let's not look for excuses and so on. It, it's become a bit unsavory, unfortunately, because, well, it's, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough mm-hmm. choice for a very young man who's hardly 25 to, you know, think about how much money he can earn and set up uh, his life uh, after his retirement and also for his family, right? Mm-hmm. To not go. And uh, also, his, his performances have been not really bad in this tournament. He's not broken down or something, so to say, right? Mm-hmm. So it would not have been right because they said it's a million dollars and which is like 10 million rand. That's a lot of money if you're living in South Africa. So mm-hmm. it's sort of, it's a devil's choice. But at the end of the day, the young man has also has to look out for his own career and also his own future, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So 
it might not have been the right thing to sort of say at that point in time no. uh, when the team is down right yeah and i think the other thing here is what they should really look into uh, is their batting performance i think south african batting has not fired at all look at the top order how many times have uh, quinton de kock and hashim amla been able to give them a good start right really? even even uh, the skillful amla has been out of form out of touch Mm-hmm. and maybe faf also needs to take a call on his career i think uh, he probably is i think he's 34 35 right i don't know yeah, if he he's... has a couple of years left in him but maybe they need to change the leadership maybe they give uh, aiden makram a couple of years to you know groom himself into a captain um, have put faith in him like, like they did when uh, graham smith uh, became the captain of south african cricket team after sean pollock so maybe they should do that with makram and give him a couple of a couple of years uh, you know to uh, establish himself uh, form a mm-hmm. team around him right uh, i don't know if the coach will also change if portis gibson uh, will change i think he has a contract due only till the end of this tournament right so maybe they will all look at these things indeed um it's it's unsavory like you said but uh, yeah i think things are set in the heat of the moment it probably is one of them mm-hmm. uh, so and when things don't go according to plan or things don't go well people start looking for excuses and uh, try to blame i think that's not the good culture uh so it it does not bode well for the south african cricket uh, team if this continues right but in the end i think they just need some time off uh, and uh, you know take a bit of time out of the game relax and then come back strong for uh, the next series that they play hmm i think you may have a good point there i mean faf duplessis is definitely closer to the end of his career and uh, maybe he has one or two seasons left here right but it might be a good time to give the one day or the t20 captaincy to different people i think jp dumini is already sort of uh, in the fray for t20s at least but one day you might say somebody like aiden makram uh, might be chosen ahead of others so that he's always in the 11 and given the captaincy so that he could also set himself up as the future leader of this uh, pack right yeah that's a good point all right now going forward let's look at the next game which was the game between bangladesh and afghanistan played in the at the rose bowl in southampton right so in this game well previously on the eve of the match gulbadin naib the afghani captain had quoted a famous uh, line from a bollywood movie so he had said hum to dubenge sanam tumko bhi saath leke dubenge and it's uh, from some mm-hmm. 70s movie effectively translates to we are we are going to drown uh, deer we'll take you along something like this so what he meant is he was i think he was trying to set up a rivalry sort of bring some needle into the match because they are really listing afghanistan they have not been able to do much in the tournament and trying to engage his players a little and bring a little bit of uh, you know needle but that didn't work because uh, they lost the match quite comfortably by 62 runs to bangladesh in this case you know they won the toss and opted to bowl maybe given the conditions maybe it was the right move uh, they started well enough let's say you know lutan das was dismissed for uh, 16 uh, by mujib and then nabi took out uh, ikbal for 36 but then they ran into an informed shakibul hasan who made us rather slowish 51 by his standards and mushfiqur rahim held the rest of the innings together with an 83 and <coughs> and then mahmudullah made 27 and then mosaddiq hussain uh, added 35 in the end sort of trying to finish the innings with a bit of you know impetus so they all, they were only able to get to 262 but if you were to remember this is the same pitch on which india had earlier played afghanistan and they defended 223 this seemed like about 20 to 30 runs above par 
and that's exactly how it turned out when it comes to the bowling mujibur rahman was excellent he took 3 for 39 of 10 and then dalot zadran took 1 for 64 of 9 nabi took 1 for 44 of 10 kulbadin naik the skipper who was finishing the innings off took 2 for 56 of his 10 and then rashid khan was again a bit costly compared to his usual standards he could not take a wicket but considered 52 of his 10 right in reply gulbadin naib opened the batting along with rahmat shah and uh, gulbadin naib naib made a you know careful 47 rahmat shah made 24 and was out hashmatullah shahid the 11 asghar afghan 20 mohammad nabi failed unfortunately and then samuelullah shinwari who was batting a rather a bit low in this order made 49 unbeaten of 51 balls but uh, you know akram ali khil and najibullah zadran kept him company the batting order looked a bit odd i mean they have all batters i understand but shamul samuelullah shanwari was batting a bit low and then definitely najibullah zadran uh, it was always asked on the social media why was zadran sent behind ikram ali khil who's more of a classical batsman right so they only were able to total 200 in the end and then mashraf murtaza um, opened the bowling as usual took uh, no wickets for 37 in 7 mustafizur rahim uh, rahman took 2 uh, for 32 of 8 and then uh, saifuddin took 1 for 33 of 8 shakebul hasan was uh, again his excellent self he took 5 for 29 of 10 overs and then mehdi hasan uh, and uh, mosaddiq hussain wrapped up the rest of the bowling figures so in this case shakebul hasan was rightly the man of the match and he emulated yuvraj singh when he you know scored a 50 and took a 54 so i think shakebul hasan is having the tournament of his life right giri yeah i think so ever since he was promoted up the order to number 3 mm-hmm. he's been making runs and uh, it's good to see that he's also picked up a few wickets now right uh, and he's emulated yuvraj singh uh, the, i think uh, looking at this if bangladesh by any chance make it to the knockout stage i think it will be down to these efforts from uh, shakibul hasan to a large effort i would say i think uh, uh, he's the he's the most important uh, mm. you know uh, player for their team i think he's the superstar of bangladeshi cricket team i think he's been the best of his generation as well as the generation before i think there has been nobody like him and the, and the way he just plays he the the cricketing brain that he has i think it it just shows uh, mm. when he's out there playing uh, for bangladesh and uh, and it's such a good thing to see that bangladesh at least you know are fighting so hard they are still in with a chance to make it through to the knockouts you know notwithstanding <laughs> some <laughs> some collapses or some uh, debacles right, that uh, right. you know b- bigger teams like uh, you know like who the next match you're going to talk about what happened there of course but uh, yeah, yeah so you never know how things will uh, play out now i think that's the beauty of this format each team playing against another team i think this this is the way it should be i really like this format well uh, speaking of this before we go on to the next match i don't know if you already saw those amazing comparisons for pakistan between the 1992 and the 2019 tournaments so everything is almost lined up as if the stars want that pakistan win the tournament there have been more than 7 to 8 points of comparison and coincidence that you can easily mm-hmm. bring up between the 1992 and the 2019 mm-hmm. tournaments uh, well if it all goes to plan we know the winner of this tournament but uh, let's see if the indian england and the australian teams may have something to say about it yeah right? i'll add something to that i will add something to that uh-huh. i have been following uh, you know somebody i think i don't i can't remember his name there is a scientific astrologer uh, if you guys listening uh, just go check out on youtube right, there is a right. scientific astrologer he has made a prediction of who is probably going to win this world cup right, right right and the person who is going to win this world cup 
the captain of the team will have been born between 1985 and 1987 right so in those right. two to three years span ah, think of ah, all the captains who were born in that in that region in that era i can think of i can think of a few names but uh, just think about that and according to him mm-hmm. um, that team will win and the previous prediction he had made i think he has been doing this prediction since 2011 right right so right. on those two occasions 2011 as well as 2015 he has been right good god so so you know the way you say it about pakistan you never mm. know mm-hmm. well i think that rules out both kohli and uh, sarfraz but let's see let's see Co- sarfraz is 87 born as far as i know ah i see so okay and aaron finch is 86 i believe 86 born aha uh-huh. aha uh-huh. and owen morgan i think is 84 no he's also 86 born yes, he's also yes. 86 born so all right. and who else do we have i don't know Ken Williamson is probably 89. yeah around the same range oh. 89 i think he's younger okay he's younger <laughs> so let's let's just keep an eye out for this interesting yeah okay <laughs> all right so going further uh, into the real world so to say there was the next match the match that happened yesterday that is 25th of june uh, again at lords uh, between england and australia so england having lost a match uh, were a bit you know rattled going into this match and uh, they were playing the traditional enemy australia of course so in this game well um, australia were asked to bat first by england towards the toss so they, here i think australia clinched this match or you say they got the upper hand in the very first let's say 15 hours of the match when aaron finch and david warner played out uh, some very testing spells by both uh, archer and uh, wood Uh, and even to an extent works because they were able to weather the storm they were able to get bet- the better of the conditions they added 123 in 22 and a half overs so at which point in time david warner who was going a bit slower than finch had made 53 and was dismissed but then khwaja joined him and again khwaja did a little bit of work uh, more building work and he, they took the score to 173 finch and khwaja when khwaja was dismissed for uh, 23 steven smith came in did his customary you know again building at a slightly uh stronger uh, you know rate so he made 38 of 34 and at this point in time um glen maxwell came in glen maxwell being glen maxwell tried his best but he only was able to make 12 but in this time aaron finch had gotten to 100 again and aaron finch got out for an even 100 of just 116 balls to jofra archer and then alex carey took over uh, at the end and you know bashed a few runs to take australia to 285 even at the halfway mark it looked like maybe the score was a little light you know but then uh, australia had done some clever changes they had brought in behrendorf in the place of nathan coulter nile and adam zampa was rested and nathan lyon was brought in and both of these moves were excellent because right at the top uh, australian bowlers rattled the england batsmen and james wins was out for a duck for a very good ball johnny best could only make 27 joe root made 8 and owen morgan made 4 so basically england were reduced to 3 for 26 when owen morgan was dismissed and then 4 for 53 when johnny best was out so that meant you know they were under a tremendous amount of pressure and then ben stokes played a very good innings of 89 of 115 josh butler made 25 chris wokes 26 and then adil rashid later made 25 um, but that was not enough because in the face of some fantastic fantastic swinging left arm bowling right uh, england were 221 all out so in this case jason berendorf uh, took a fifer he took five for 44 his first fifer 
right? And then Mitchell Stark took four for 43. Mitchell Stark is continuing his excellent tournament. Again, something happens when it comes to World Cups and Mitchell Stark is fully turned on, right? And then Pat Cummings uh, did a good uh, backup job uh, considering just 41 of his eight overs. Nathan Lyon, again, proved to be very good. Even though he didn't take a wicket, he did, he tied up the England batting order in the middle, middle overs beautifully and then they couldn't get away to any kind of a, you know momentum or establish a momentum there. So he considered just 43 of his nine overs. Marcus Toynis took one wicket of uh, seven overs, considering 29 runs, and Glenn Maxwell wrapped up the rest of the bowling. So in this case, England were comfortably all out with more than five overs to spare. So, you know, suddenly England have lost back-to-back matches, and the, now they sort of throws the qualification race open. So if I can just quickly go through that, maybe before that, Giri, uh, what were your observations on this match? Well, it was a fun, fantastic uh, exhibition of uh, cricket, I would say, at the home of cricket at Lords. Uh, I happened to catch the initial spell um, or the Australian initial part of the Australian innings when uh, Finch and uh, David Warner bat- were batting. Mm. Uh, the ball was moving a lot in the air and especially off the pitch. There was a lot of uh, lateral movement. Okay, and uh, I think Chris Wokes even dismissed Aaron Finch in one of those deliveries. He, I think, he was trapped in front. Ah. Only to be, uh, you know, I think it was referred. I was probably given not out on field, right, uh, right. and England reviewed, and it returned, it returned umpire's call on height. It was very close, right? It's right. one of those deliveries that comes in, and Finch is not able to play. You know, his head is over the line of the ball, and he's not able to meet the ball. So it happens, right? It has been a, a recurring uh, a case with uh, Aaron Finch missing balls that come in straight. Or he nicks it to you know short mid-wicket. They the, they bowled with that plan in fact, uh, England. Um, apart from that, uh, you know uh, Jofra Archer and Mark Wood they bowled I think too many short of a good land deliveries. They were not bowling a length where the ball was going to swing a lot, right? And uh, I think Australian batsmen, the openers Finch as well as David Warner, full credit to them. They handled the moving ball very nicely and they put on a partnership of 120 odd runs. I think by then uh, mm-hmm. Australia had advantage. You know, they were always going to be ahead of the game. Right. Of course, after Finch got out, they had a mini collapse. Uh, they didn't get to get across the 300 mark, but still, I think 280 odd runs was a very good score. Um, uh, the other thing I noticed is bowling or opening with uh, Berendorf. Uh, it reminded me of uh, you know Irfan Pathan from all those years ago, who also opened the bowling for India who had a nice shape into the right-hander, right? So ball swinging in the air mm. and then straightening after pitching or even moving a little bit towards the leg stump. Right. He bowled the first delivery to James Wins. I saw this, actually, this happen live. So when he bowled the first delivery to James Wins, uh, I think it probably pitched on leg stump and then it moved slightly down the leg and then James Wins met the ball very nicely. He middled it. He played it straight to mid-on and they didn't take a run. The very next ball, Jason Verendorf corrected his line immediately. The length was almost the same, but the line was just, you know, he just left the ball around the off-stump region and the ball swung back in, pitched on the stumps, and then it was going to crash into leg stump anyway. Uh, so and uh, even if it was not a clean ball, I think uh, it would have been an LBW. And right. James Wins was castle. This was fantastic bowling, left-arm bowling, right? And then the other dismissal of Mitchell Stark. I think he was bowling with a lot of pace. Uh, there was a joke yeah. about uh, you know him being strapped in around all the places in his body, a lot mm-hmm. of tape, tape, 
holding uh, mutual stocks body together but doesn't matter he bowled with a lot of pace especially to joe root and joe root uh, of all people he was looking very fidgety i think he was looking at the pace that which uh, mitchell stark was bowling i think he was a bit scared he was bowling fantastically well and he missed almost an over pitch delivery uh, which was on the stumps and then he was all over it i think he was completely beaten for pace the ball had thudded into his pads even before the bat came near the ball so he was just a little bit w it was plum got plum in front okay that's one thing i think that basically set the tone for the english uh, batting uh, with those two or three three guys gone at the top i think they uh, the middle order is more of uh, you know they they don't consolidate innings they are only uh, kind of good strikers of the cricket ball like owen morgan for example he's he mm. he's good at attacking but he's not good at defending and consolidating the innings the steadying the innings i think somebody like kane williamson would have you know steadied the ship there like right. we keep right. saying but he didn't do that <laughs> in a manner of speaking okay that's one thing and then cummins you said uh, didn't pick up a wicket but he did pick up two very important catches the one of on morgan i think was flying it was uh, swirling in the air it was going towards the final leg region and cummins caught it very uh, beautifully i think that meant uh, england were not able to accelerate it. they were not able to counter attack they were always on the black, back foot and the final thing i have to add here is that that yorker from mitchell stark to ben stokes Ben Stokes was batting on 89 runs. He had he was seeing the ball like a football like they say, you know. And he was just trying to attack. He was just trying to take on the uh, Australian bowlers. And he had targeted Pat Cummins in the previous over. He had hit Cummins for I think 3 fours. Cummins had gone for the most expensive over I think in his uh, uh, in this World Cup in uh, according to his uh, bowling figures. And the very next over, in fact the last delivery of Mitchell Stark's over Mitchell Stark Stark comes up with this lovely uh, in swinging or in swinging to a left hander, and hit it hits the base of off stump. It reminded me so much of uh, Wasim Akram, you know, from all those years ago. Amazing reverse swing. I think we just saw what Mitchell Stark is capable of doing when you know when he is on song. Of course, you have to remember that against India he went for a lot of runs in the death overs, but. picking up wickets early uh, in the early part of the innings i think made a huge difference here and if you compare australia against india where india actually won i think that's the only match australia have lost in this series uh, india didn't give away their wicket the opening partnership was very steady shikhar dhawan and uh, rohit sharma batted i think for 15 to 20 overs and mm. basically bunted out these two guys pat cummins and uh, mitchell stark whereas england lost three wickets within 10 overs and uh, in the end i think australia are just rising up to the occasion i think they are building up a m- bit of momentum now reaching uh, the knockout stage i think they have already qualified now on mm-hmm. uh, the virtue of this uh, win against england and england are in a spot of bother Indeed. what do you think what do you think <laughs> well i mean they now played the next two games against uh, unbeaten teams so far in the tournament new zealand and india right and in order to make sure no other scenarios play out they need to win both of them both these matches and they have a reasonably good net run rate so probably the net run rate is okay but mm-hmm. as long as they win the next two games they take the equation out of anybody else's hands and they will qualify but you know there is enough chances for example if uh, even if they were to not win a single game then you know pakistan will need to lose uh, pakistan sri lanka and bangladesh will need to lose at least two two games each 
right on the other hand if they win only one game again it goes into sort of a throw out there wherein they'll need some results to go their way and so on and so on so but this loss basically opens the door for bangladesh pakistan and sri lanka and it looks like because of being ahead because of some rain washouts and etc sri lanka are slightly ahead in this games uh, in this contest because between bangladesh sri lanka and pakistan bangladesh have seven matches and seven points sri lanka have six matches and six points and um, pakistan have six matches and five points so tomorrow's game when uh, you know they play uh, the match against um, new zealand this becomes really really crucial that pakistan win this game and win this game well so they give themselves enough chances to, then they will equal bangladesh on the mm-hmm. tally and pakistan will also need to address their net run rate it's um, mm-hmm. it's a bit lower uh, than let's say bangladesh so they'll look to do that both of those so it's a edge bust and it's going to be a good game uh, but all that means is all the remaining games even if it is you know afghanistan playing pakistan or afghanistan playing bangladesh or any of uh, rather afghanistan playing india or any of these other games all of these games become really 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 uh, mm-hmm. important so even afghanistan will probably have something to contribute to this tournament by the looks of it right so <laughs> yeah. all in all a wonderful set of matches coming up so i think we will all be uh, like uh, sticking to our phone screens or tv screens and just keep following all the action very carefully mm-hmm. now going on if you were to look at some of the other news from the world cup uh, andre russell dreras has been ruled out of the world cup because of his knee injury and uh, sunil ambris has been deemed as a re- replacement right uh, do you think uh, west indies will really miss him or will they go on it's okay without uh, him really there well Andre Russell was already a wounded horse uh, when he uh, you know started this tournament he was limp- limping off the field uh, after bowling a couple of overs and he was struggling with his batting as well if you look at his contribution with the bat it hasn't been that sizable right and having a lot of all-rounders is good but i think they would they still west indies still lack the middle order right the middle order stability that they require mm-hmm. apart from shay hope you don't see anybody you know trying to build an innings and uh, continue until the 40th over or so before the hitters take off right so they still have a fundamental issues with the west indies uh, batting lineup especially the bowling right. has a lot of firepower mm-hmm. but i think sometimes it becomes a bit one dimensional having too much of pace they right. might as well use you know uh, spin mm-hmm. uh, they they have played ashley and ashley nurse in a, a few matches but i don't think he has bowled a lot and he's probably classified as yet another all rounder um so they they need to think about this a bit more but may, uh, will they miss under russell yes for sure i think he has a presence in the field right uh, but if you look at his contributions it has not been much so in a way will this turn out to be a blessing in disguise for them so that they can uh, you know form their team in such a way that they it will uh, suit you know uh, a game scenario more than their own strengths because if you keep you know fielding a team which is based on your strength and not looking at the way the pitch behaves or not looking at the way the opposition are playing or not looking at the way the scoreboard is currently looking i think this probably is what's going to happen agreed agreed but you know with sunil ambris coming in i mean at least he has a point to prove he has a good average and you know he's able to probably shore up the top of the innings then mm-hmm. somebody like shai hope can bow, play a bit lower 
you know, they have Shai Hope, Nicholas Puran and Hetmeyer, all three of whom have done enough, so to say. Mm. But the problem is, uh, yeah, it can become a bit brittle if these guys don't do much. And somehow Jason Holder has not been able to do as much as he started the tournament with, for example. Mm. Mm. Right. That has shown up. And then you're right. It's probably the attack is too one dimensional. They have Ashley Nurse and even Gale who can chip in. But they are not like traditional off spinners in the mold of, a, you know, a lion or somebody. So it's not as easy. And they don't have a wrist spinner. This is the other mm-hmm. thing that they are probably mm-hmm. missing. But yeah. all right. I mean, let's see. They, they even they have a chance if they continue to play well and win all their games. They'll need one or two things to go there when even West Indies can still qualify. So it's that open. So you never say, you know, maybe they can still get their act together. Let's see. Right. Let's hope so. The other thing, Virat Kohli was fined for excessive appealing. So it looks like, you know, in the game against uh, Afghanistan, he has breached mm-hmm. the code of conduct and uh, he was fined 25% of his match fee by mm-hmm. uh, the umpires when appealing for a uh, leg before against Afghanistan. It was not uh, deemed very good. So this is another small thing, but fine. I mean, I think he got a bit carried away and then he accepted this. And uh, there was one yeah. demerit point added to his record, so to say. But that's okay. It seemed, looks like a small uh, slap on the wrist. But given how tense that match was, I think there had to be something that was going to come out of it, right? But, you know, thinking of Virat Kohli, it's actually, uh, we should actually applaud him because he has changed a lot over the years. Uh, if you look at his on-field behavior, uh, I think mm. maybe from the... Uh, 2011, 2012 time, I think he was very brash. He was very arrogant. He was, you know, gesticulating at the crowd and all those things. Now right. he has calmed down so much. So if you think, I mean, if, if you consider this, I think this is a very strange incident. And even think about, uh, you know, him defending Stephen Smith when the crowd right. were booing him. I think he's taking uh, steps in so, you know, I think in the right direction. Um, maybe he just needs to look at a few things here and there. I think it should be okay. But it's, right. it's, it's, yeah, he's, he's done well, I think, in the last few years. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, also he's one, he's maturing as a statesman for sure. But yeah, he's still brash enough, I would say, because when he took on the crowd and said, why are you booing Stephen Smith, applaud him, for example, that was actually a gesticulation to the crowd. And the number of times you hear him or somebody around him use the word Ben Stokes, so to say, to paraphrase uh-huh. it, uh-huh. it's, it's, it's quite, uh, it's, it's, it's quite unsavory, but then yeah, these guys are playing in a very high-pressure environment. And for what he used to be and what he is, there is a change. There, is, there are no doubts about it, right? So yeah. that's always a good thing. Now, going forward, uh, the other, let's say, news from outside the field, if you were to quickly look at it, there was a two uh, T20 T20-match tor- uh, T- T20 tournament that happened between uh, Netherlands and Zimbabwe. So in this case, they both were held in Rotterdam. And on the 23rd, Netherlands won the match by 49 runs, but in yesterday's match on 25th, uh, Zimbabwe clinched the match very comfortably. And uh, well, it was it was actually a comfortable win in the end through a super over, but the match itself ended in a tie. And in the super over, uh, Zimbabwe did really well and clinched it. So that series was tied one all. So well done to Zimbabwe because they had lost the one day leg of the tour 2-0 to Netherlands. It would have been weird if they had lost both the legs 2-0, 2-0. That really meant how far Zimbabwean team has fallen behind even somebody like Netherlands who now have a very solid setup and are playing internationals. So this is a good result as far as Zimbabwe are concerned. Right, Kiri? Yeah. Yes, that's true. I think uh, it's good of uh, good, good uh, for a team like Zimbabwe uh, <laughs> to do well in Netherlands. Uh, so it's good when they perform well on an away tour. 
but they're still away i think from top rank cricket they still need yeah, to uh, yeah. pack themselves i think they they have a team they need to con- perform more consistently and it's also good that netherlands you know is also playing against uh, former international teams or former test teams uh, do zimbabwe have test status now has it been reinstated no they have a test status so they even yeah. played a tournament against sri lanka last year a right, test okay, series that bad. is okay but uh, i mean yeah i mean whether this team can really stand up uh, to a competition i mean i don't mean to demean anybody but it will be easier if they uh, have more tours with afghanistan and um, ireland so that those teams can also take the experience that zimbabwe bring in and zimbabwe mm-hmm. zimbabwe and test cricket can grow but mm-hmm. looking at the amount of uh, tumult that is off field with the zimbabwean board god knows when the next tour will happen so i think we'll keep uh, following this news and let's hope that you know zimbabwean team is again back up to its glory days mm-hmm. where they were good mm-hmm. enough to challenge the top test ranking teams yeah right? for sure going forward um well bran lara was admitted to a hospital in mumbai uh, it looks like uh, he was complaining of chest pain and then he said that he overexerted himself uh, during some uh, training in the morning uh, so it was not uh, it was not really a panic so but looks like when he's doing his media commitments with uh, one of the channels in mumbai he seems to have uh, done some mischief in the gym kiri yeah <laughs> we don't want anything bad to happen to uh, one of our childhood heroes indeed we we love brian lara so let's hope he gets well soon and uh, comes back to studio and uh, provides his wonderful analysis right indeed now uh, the next thing to quickly go through is that the pakistan cricket board has reduced the number of contracts they are offering to the women cricketers but the contracts have been made more lucrative so you know in it's it's an interesting thing because they have now handed out a 12 month uh, central contract for 10 elite women cricketers instead of 17 6 month long contracts so that's a good thing and also the category has uh, oh, sorry uh, there are two categories so category a and b so that's also a good thing and also category c where you know it's a little bit less so all of these things show basically that there is a there is a thought process that's been put behind uh, you know uh, more women uh, trying to play cricket in pakistan and even though the number of contracts might have reduced the better uh, the better uh, let's say remuneration always points to a good thing and i think they might actually increase this once the number of uh, women that they would like to contract have proven themselves let's say right all right now let's move on to the next section which is the trivia question section so this this uh, trivia question from the previous episode was a very tricky one so we had asked uh, you know the three antigans who are knighted viv richards andy roberts and curtly ambrose also share another uh, common honor what that is so our good friend yogesh was able to get into us uh, was able to write into us and then ask for some clarification and finally got the answer so well done to yogesh so the answer we were looking for is not just that they were knighted but that the sir vivian richards stadium right cricket grounds that is uh, having two ends that is the north and the south end the north end is called curtly ambrose and the south end is called andy roberts end so these three really illustrious antigans are also represented uh, by you know through the honor that their names are now associated with the cricket stadium so that was the exact question or the answer that we were looking for going further the trivia question for this episode is also going to be a slightly tricky one right 
So in the England versus Australia game that recently concluded, we saw that the top two bowlers or the first two opening bowlers took nine wickets among them. So with Stark taking four and, you know, Berendorf taking five. When was the last time this happened where the two new ball bowlers took nine wickets among themselves in a World Cup game, but against a test playing nation? That's the most important part of it, right? So we are again looking forward to some interesting thoughts and some answers. You could always get into a, a touch with us uh, through social media. We are on at Pod or through our Facebook page. You could also leave your comments and answers on whichever podcasting app you use, for example, Apple Podcasts or Podbean or any other. Right. Also, do write into us at armchair.cricket at gmail.com with your thoughts, your comments, or answers. We are always very happy to read and respond to your comments, and that always gives us a lot of encouragement. Right. And as we've already highlighted, the upcoming number of matches is going to be absolutely, absolutely wonderful. So, in one way or the other, a lot of excitement awaits all of us when it comes to this World Cup's matches. Right. So, having said all that, it's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from him. Bye bye. You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast.